0: Gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn U.S. Taking your right to self-defense, you say you but
1: they don't Alright ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful but not feeling very peaceful today host, Tim Tapp, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and glad to have you along for the ride. I have once again lowered the intro, the great song I've Gotta Be Free, from one Mr. Matt Fitzgibbons in order to get started just a little early. I'm not a big fan of having to do that because you know I love the song and I think you guys should get the chance to hear it. But there's just too much going on. First and foremost, today happens to be April the 9th, 2023. And that, of course, means that it is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. A day that holds special meaning for every Christian anywhere around the world. Or at the very least, it should hold a very special meaning because it is For all intents and purposes, the reason why Christianity exists at all. Jesus would be nothing more than a prophet or a preacher had he not resurrected. Had the promise not been kept. Had it been made clear. Had it not been made obvious that this was both man and God. So praise you Lord. Thank you so very much for everything you did including paying for all of our sins. Our sin debt paid in full thanks to Jesus walking amongst us. And it's not as if we deserved it, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, it is only through washing ourselves in his blood that we are sanctified. I do hope that all of you are having a very blessed Easter. I hope you're getting to spend time with your family and friends. And uh, I hope you get to spend a meal with your family and or friends. However, you need to do that and enjoy that meal because right now, China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They'll soon, according to experts' estimations, have over two-thirds of the world's corn reserves, have over half of the world's rice reserves, and they're heading definitely headlong into acquiring more than half of the world's wheat. China, of course, lies about this every time they're asked directly, and that just means that rather than admit the truth of how much food they are hoarding, we have to presume that even our best expert estimates are probably on the low end. So what does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? What is it that China knows that we don't? Well, when it comes to global food shortages, China is the canary in the coal mine. You see, China is the world's number one food importer. They rely on the rest of the world to keep their people fed. So, if they're preparing for global food shortages on that level, what does that mean for average everyday Americans like you and me? Well, again, two words, my friend. Food shortages right here in the United States of America. That makes us a really good time to stock up on the best-selling survival food kits that you will find at FourPatriots.com. These food kits... You can stockpile your own. They are hand packed here in the United States of America. The kits are compact. They stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, so you're not going to get tired if you have to rely on these for an extended period of time. You're not going to get burnt out on a particular food. Hey, yeah, uh, these are these lunches here. This uh best mac and cheese that's really really tasty you're not going to be eating it every day okay and there is a ton of five-star reviews where the people who have made these purchases and have used the food kits they rave about the taste Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food by typing in code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, at checkout. Just go to 4 use code TAP to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. That's the number 4Patriots.com, use code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. And do that sooner rather than later. All right. The reason that we should be concerned about what's going on around the world is we live in dangerous times. I had an uh, extended conversation with Ken Crow on Friday Night's Live Broadcast, and I expressed my concerns about how things look like we are quickly approaching the end times. I I don't say that lightly. I've always been somebody that kind of pushed off the The doom and the naysayers with nothing more to talk about. But what we've seen since Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has been installed as the resident at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has been one disaster after another and every time they attempt to blame the other side. And that hypocrisy has been on display to an unprecedented level over the course of the last few days. But something that you need to be aware of right off the top, one of the reasons why I'm really making a point of keeping China front and center in your mind is right now. Following the visit from the president of Taiwan to the United States this past week, the Chinese military is currently simulating attacks on key targets in Taiwan. They did this starting on the second day of drills that a lot of experts out there... And I know I hate using that term, but these are some experts that actually know what they're talking about and want to let us know. They believe that it's just intended to intimidate the small island nation of Taiwan. Back on Friday of this week, we uh, saw the president of Taiwan return home after her visit here to the United States, which, while she was here, she met with House Speaker. Kevin McCarthy, which, of course, China warned us against having such a meeting. Uh, They're trying to tell us what to do, and thankfully, Kevin McCarthy is not answerable to Joe Biden, who's bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party, or the Democratic Party that seems to just be an extension of the CCP at this point, just operating here in the United States. And I don't make that statement lightly. That's not hyperbole, and I don't use it as exaggeration. I make the statement based on analyzing the actions and the things that they are currently supporting. They have went beyond rational disagreement with what the role of government should be, and they have full-blown embraced the ideologies of Mao and just Marxist ideology as a whole. They want to tear down everything with nothing better to replace it with because there isn't a better system than what we built here. American exceptionalism is a real thing and it exists in a real way because we were built through a covenant with God, something to be very mindful of on this Easter Sunday. It was built through a covenant with God and it was built on the principles of God's blessings. We have a responsibility to keep people free. We have a responsibility to keep government limited. We have a responsibility to work charity through ourselves and not, at the point of a gun, through forced military compliance, through forced governmental uh, compliance. We do not have that kind of a government built here, and yet that is what we've allowed our government to become, and we have Democrats currently pushing that idea further. They've normalized the idea. They want to pretend as if it is wrong if we question them, and yet it's wrong if somebody tries to silence them, and yet it's perfectly okay for them to turn around and try to silence those of us that would oppose their policies, not based on racism, not based on bigotry, but based on common sense and actual fairness. They claim the mantle of fair all the time, and yet they're not concerned about fairness. They're concerned about using the very tools, the tools of fascism, the tools of censorship that they claimed to stand opposed to, that actual liberals were opposed to. These people are not liberals anymore. We need to stop calling them that. That's not who they are. So we had Kevin McCarthy meet with the president of Taiwan. This was the highest level meeting between a sitting Taiwanese president and an American official ever to take place on American soil. That, of course, prompted these very strong warnings from Beijing. The Chinese military began three days of drills on Saturday, even rehearsing an encirclement of the island. Under the unified command of the Theater Joint Operations Command Center, multiple types of units carried out simulated joint precision strikes on key targets in Taiwan. And the surrounding sea areas, and continue to maintain an offensive posture around the island. This was reported, this is a direct quote from Chinese television that was uh, aired on Sunday, which of course they're about a day ahead of us guys. According to the Taiwan Defense Ministry, 11 Chinese naval ships and 71 Chinese warplanes were spotted around Taiwan on Sunday, with 45 planes reportedly entering Taiwan's Air Defense Identification Zone on Saturday. State media claimed that the aircraft were armed with live weapons. Reuters reported which Taiwanese planes also employ when attempting to scramble Chinese jets. Along the Taiwan Strait median line, an unofficial buffer between Taiwan and Communist China sets roughly 10 Taiwanese ships and 10 Chinese ships in a standoff, this according to Reuters as well. Taiwan is not China's only target. Another source familiar with the situation told Reuters, China has also reportedly been conducting air and sea attack simulations on foreign military targets off the southwestern coast of Taiwan. It's very provocative. This is the first time Communist China has openly talked about simulating attacks on specific Taiwanese targets in such a manner. The key targets in question, the fact that they're looking at specific targets, might mean adding that military logistic outfits, runaways, and mobile targets are included. This means that they are now actually practicing for an actual invasion. China, according to the reports would annihilate these targets in one fell swoop, that that appears to be their target, their goal, their efforts. The de facto United States Embassy in Taiwan, they released a statement saying that it felt, quote, comfortable and confident in America's ability to keep peace and ensure stability in the region, adding the situation is being monitored closely. Really, what else would we expect? From the embassy under the auspices of the State Department, which is currently being controlled by the Biden administration, that cannot admit to even the simplest facts regarding its failures. It can't admit that there have been failures. It can't admit that there's a crisis on our southern border. It can't admit that they did the most dunderheaded of dunderheaded moves in how they withdrew from Afghanistan. They can't acknowledge that it is through their weakness that China continues to grow, not only in the Eastern Hemisphere, but here in the Western Hemisphere as well. They can't admit that it's through their policies that China is now swiftly becoming the go-to currency on the world markets for petrodollars. The United States dollar is about to become meaningless in the international markets, again, because of the Biden administration's efforts to do exactly that. Anyway, last week, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was speaking to Euro News in an interview before the Chinese drills began, saying that if China were to attack Taiwan, it would have Far-reaching implications. Well, no, duh. No wonder you're such a great Secretary of State, Secretary Blinken. Blinken moron is more like it. Anyway, Blinken also said, I heard this in conversations with many of our NATO allies, as well as partners in Asia. There is concern that were there to be a crisis as a result of China's actions over Taiwan, that would have repercussions for quite literally every country on earth. Well, again, dur China has continuously provoked Taiwan, especially since the election of its current president, whose Democratic Progressive Party favors remaining independent from the communist country. Following Nancy Pelosi's little trip to Taiwan back in August of last year, China has employed numerous provocation measures, including sending Chinese planes and ships in and near the Taiwan Strait, with 21 of them entering Taiwan's air zone. That's not by accident, boys and girls. At the Chinese Communist Party's Congress back in October, President Xi Jinping called for reunification with Taiwan and claimed that the communist nation is willing to use force to achieve it, saying that they, quote, reserve the option of taking all measures necessary. The wheels of history are rolling on towards China's reunification and the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. This was what Xi said in his opening address At the party's Congress. Complete reunification of our country must be realized. Xi Jinping told the world at that point, not just those he wished to impress. Not just those that he believes should be leading the charge to keep him in power. Not just trying to placate the party base, if you will. He was telling the entire world his intentions are to, in fact, take over Taiwan. And make no mistake, there are other parts of the world that presently have a different name, that have a border established, a line in the stand, that were once considered to be part of China, that he also was warning in that statement that he plans on retaking Full reunification in order to have the full rejuvenation of China. That's the goal. That's the mission. That's what he's doing. And right now, it looks like Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., for the few moments of sentience he has every single day, along with everybody working in that administration currently, is working to help China and Xi Jinping to reach that goal, rather than keep China in check for the safety, not only of Americans, but of the entire world. You're failing at your jobs, and it's clear to see. And if you are somebody listening to this by accident or however, and you tend to vote Democrat, I want to know why you no longer either see this or no longer care about this country. Because it's not just about us here in the United States. It will affect the entire world. Anthony Blinken made it clear. The entire world recognizes it. It's just that seems to be their goal. Alright, so back here at home. A federal judge in Texas has moved to suspend the FDA's approval of a abortion pill. While another federal judge in the state of Washington released a conflicting ruling that keeps the pill widely available. The rulings on the abortion pill, which is used to end the life of a pre-born baby human in about half of all abortions currently done, could be headed to the Supreme Court, even as the Biden administration plans to appeal the Texas judge's ruling. In his ruling, U.S. District Judge Matthew... uh, Karasimitsky, uh, again, uh, Your Honor, I, I apologize if I'm butchering your name, Kazimitsky, and, and I'm sorry. Anyway, Judge Matthew said in the FDA, I'm sorry, said that that the FDA had moved too quickly to approve the chemical abortion pill without sufficient testing. Quoting here, simply put, FDA built on its already suspect 2,000 approval by removing even more restrictions related to chemical abortion drugs that were present during the final phase of the investigation. And it did so by relying on studies that included the very conditions that FDA refused to adopt. So what we're saying here or what the judge is saying, is that the FDA ignored its own previous rules to allow this to be approved in the first place. Now, the Biden administration will have a week to appeal the decision, which sided in favor of the Alliance of Hippocratic Medicine and other pro-life groups where Uh, who were represented by lawyers with the Alliance Defending Freedom, a a great organization, and I highly recommend you support them in any way that you can. Uh, Quoting here from ADF Senior Counsel Eric Baptist, Pregnancy is not an illness, and chemical abortion drugs don't provide a therapeutic benefit. They can pose serious and life-threatening complications to the mother, in addition to ending the baby's life. The FDA never had the authority to approve these hazardous drugs and remove important safeguards. Now, the decision was widely praised by pro-life groups. Understandably, uh, sad that it takes a judge in Texas, Said that a judge in Washington wants to take the other route, but it does make sense. They broke their own rules, their own guidelines in order to allow it, and that is a result not of protecting public health, but a result of plain politics. Quoting again here, The abortion pill destroys a growing human being. The drug kills the pre-born child by starving him or her of the vital nutrients needed to grow. This decision, restricting the abortion pill, will save children from the violence of chemical abortion and will allow them to enjoy their constitutional rights to be born and live. This from Lily Rose, founder and president of Live Action. However, the judge's decision became legally murky almost immediately as U.S. District Judge Thomas O. Rice ruled that the FDA must still allow the drug in 17 Democratic-led states that had brought a lawsuit concerning the chemical abortion. In the meantime, Joe Biden has promised to fight the Texas ruling. My administration will fight this ruling, Biden says. The lawsuit and this ruling is another unprecedented step in taking away basic freedoms from women and putting their health at risk. Joe, you haven't been paying attention. This drug puts their lives at risk. It puts their health at risk. This is an effort to undo the damage done by the FDA and allowing this drug to be approved before it had passed all the necessary safety standards. It is at best experimental. And if you want to play the experimental game, you want to say, well, they should have the right to try experiments. They should have informed consent. They need to know the risk ahead of time. But at the end of the day, the FDA has a set of protocols in place of which they broke, violated, and removed these protocols in order to allow this particular drug to hit the market, to be used for the political ideology of taking up for all those folks out there that think they shouldn't have to live with the consequences of the behavior that got them pregnant in the first place. That think they shouldn't have to deal with the consequences of having a child. That think that there is no moral distinction between a pre-born baby human growing inside them and just some lump of cells to be removed at any given moment. That cold and callousness, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you believe what I'm saying about it or not. It doesn't matter if you have a more religious view, or if you have a more philosophical view, or if you just want the, "Ah, I want when I want when I want it, and there's no reason that I shouldn't be able to do what I want, including killing a pre-born baby human, if it happens to result from my actions, why should I be saddled? It doesn't matter what any of that is. It doesn't matter where you fall for any of that. What matters here is the very real fact that the FDA broke their own protocols, broke their own rules to make this Available and is now used in almost half of chemical abortions. And almost three quarters of all abortions performed in the country now are done through chemical means, meaning one of the most unsafe drugs that's ever been used for this purpose is the most widely distributed one and it is dangerous, more so than what anyone has even acknowledged yet. The FDA moved too quickly, and you know they didn't do it. Because somebody was paying them off. You know they didn't do it because this is going to save lives. It's going to provide health. It's health care, obviously. They did it because leftist politicians put people in key positions in the FDA, creating the deep state. And as a deep state operative, you moved the leftist agenda no matter how far away, no matter if it's a full 180 degrees opposite of what the stated purpose that your government agency has. The FDA is supposed to make sure these drugs are safe enough to be sold in the United States. Not that it's actually good for you, not that there's benefits, not that it's a good thing, but safe enough to be sold, meaning that you, if you partake of it, have reasonable information available for you to decide whether or not you want to partake of it. It's being prescribed without any level of actual education to the women that take it. Just, alright, you want an abortion? Fine. Take this bill, go wait out in the lobby. That's what they're doing. And now California wants to send this out by mail. The Biden administration wants to send this out by mail. They want you to be able to take this at home, where if you show up in person to get actual medical care, the trained medical professionals require you to stay long enough to make sure that you're not one of the many people that might have a serious adverse effect. They don't care about you, and they're not doing their jobs I have to take the mid hour break because if I get on this roll any further, it's going to get ugly. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Don't take my, word. definitely, don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, use your brains. If you really want to tap into the truth. Hey, Joe.
2: commitment of the United States Constitution states that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy public trial. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the penalty for trespassing on government property like the United States Capitol Building is six months in jail, plus $1,000 maximum penalty. Yet, Americans who went into the U.S. Capitol Building on January 6th have been detained for more than 10 months. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and five other representatives have discovered that those still locked up have possibly been physically abused and in some cases denied medical care. Allegedly, authorities are committing misprison of felony by knowing about certain individuals being put in solitary confinement before being indicted. I urge you to join me in contacting our representatives now and demand... The January 6 Americans be released today. Thank you, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, for checking in on those still locked up while the Biden regime abuses this entire republic every single day. I'm Ron Edwards. If you want the best coffee ever, simply go to theronedwards.com and place your order now for Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the coffee you want in your cup.
1: Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
2: Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels, We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
3: Hi, I'm Christina Bob, author of Stealing Your Vote and Attorney for the Donald J. Trump for President 2024 campaign. And you're listening to Tim Tapp and in Tap Into the Truth.
1: Right, ladies and gentlemen, yes, indeed, here we are once again, going into the second half of the first hour of today's broadcast. It is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Hope you're having a very blessed time. I really, really do. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here, and I appreciate your listenership. I really do. I appreciate your support, and I've been getting more and more of it here lately, and I really cannot put into words how much I do appreciate it. Uh, keep it up. Thank you so much for the ones that are doing it. Uh, thank you so much for those of you that are sharing and helping to grow the audience as well. You're bringing a lot more people to it. And if you're one of those folks, thank you. If you're somebody who's thought about it, please don't hesitate to continue. And, uh, you know, let's let's help make things better and stronger for the entire country. And, uh, you know, uh, you can help me out a little as we do it. <laughs> anyway... We've got a situation going on in Texas, obviously. You know, I just mentioned the federal judge in Texas. Well, we got another Texas story here. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Daniel Perry, who shot and killed a man who was carrying an AK-47 at a Black Lives Matter protest back in 2020, was found guilty of murder by a jury this past Friday in Texas. Perry had been charged with murder and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon for shooting Garrett Foster in July of 2020. Perry, who claimed self-defense, was convicted of the murder charge, but was found not guilty on the aggravated assault charge. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. How can you have one and not the other? It's kind of screwy to begin with, and obviously this is a case of uh, identity politics more so than the actual law making a difference with the decision of this jury. Now, some backstory here. Perry was not initially charged with any crimes after the incident. But in 2021, District Attorney Jose Garza took office and decided to prosecute Perry. See, Garza just so happens, and I'm sure it's strictly a coincidence. I'm sure it has no bearing on the case at all. But Garza just happens to be one of a large number of district attorneys whose campaign was backed by billionaire mega donor, spooky dude George Soros. Now I know we're not supposed to to mention his name in association with anything like this. Somehow we're being anti-Semitic when we talk about one of the least Jewish uh, Jewish people in the world. But uh, you know. Uh, I'm not afraid to call out his name. Spooky dude's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of power, got a lot of influence. And these are the things he does with his power and influence. Tries to destroy countries. Right now, the United States is on his chopping block. We are right square in the middle of his crosshairs. We are his current target. He feels like if you can take out the United States, you can take out anybody. And he's probably right about that. Anyway, the lead investigating detective in the case, uh, David Puget, he said back in 2021, uh, in an affidavit, of course, that Garza acted with criminal behavior in the case. Now, quoting here, uh, again from Puget, I had several conversations with the district attorney's office regarding the presentation of a scopatory evidence related to Daniel Perry. It became clear to me that the district attorney's office did not want to present evidence to the grand jury that would be escopatory to Daniel Perry. In other words, they didn't want to make it obvious to the grand jury that this was an act of self-defense. They wanted to get the conviction. That's why you can get an indictment against a ham sandwich, ladies and gentlemen. The bar is set extremely low. And it's not the job of the district attorney when presenting to a grand jury trying to get an indictment to provide any defense. It is their job, however, to paint the most accurate picture that they can, and he failed to do so here, skirting the legal requirements, not necessarily breaking them, but certainly skirting them to an extent that one would have to question, not just the legality but also the professional ethics involved here because as we've discussed in the past there is a difference between personal ethics and professional ethics and some of these jobs uh, the legal profession being one of them has a standard set for professional ethics that may come into conflict with your personal ethics on occasion but you're still expected to follow the professional ethics follow the codes do the job the way you're supposed to or you can expect to be disbanded, disbarred, and removed from whatever positions you may hold, and rightfully so. Anyway, back to the story. Quoting again, On more than one occasion, I was directed by the Travis County Attorney's Office to remove escopatory information that I had intended to present to the grand jury during my testimony of my original 158-slide PowerPoint presentation. The presentation was reduced to 56 slides with almost all of the escopatory evidence ordered removed. I felt like I did not have any other options but to comply with their orders. Fugit also said that Garza's directive to forbid escopatory evidence from being shown during the case quote, is when the conduct of the district attorney's office went from highly unethical behavior to criminal behavior. Fugit said that the Garza office tampered with him and a witness in the criminal matter. Governor Greg Abbott now uh, has been facing calls, uh, just an avalanche of calls, really, uh, starting on Friday, to pardon Perry over the ruling. Representative Ronnie Jackson tweeted, quote, Governor Abbott, don't let a Soros owned Austin Liberal DA destroy our justice system in Texas. You need to pardon all caps Daniel Perry immediately. All caps. And Ronnie Jackson is right. Everyone needs to let Greg Abbott know about the atrocity of the Daniel Perry prosecution. This from political commentator Mike Chernovich. He tweeted that Soros DA has made self-defense illegal in Texas. What will Governor Abbott do? There was more, a lot more. The fallout has been significant, and rightfully so. But I'm still left wondering, how does it get to this point?
4: Sections. How do we correct right. oh.
1: I really wish this guy had come forward before this prosecutor was even allowed to take this case to a grand jury to get the indictment to try to bring it to court. But how do you turn around and actually get a conviction? Why did the judge allow this to stand? Why did the judge not immediately move to put aside the jury's decision? Especially given the nature that they couldn't find the evidence to convict him on assault with a deadly weapon. I mean, how did how did this guy get Shot in the first place, how did the so-called murderer commit the act of so-called murder without committing an act of assault with the deadly weapon? Clearly, both occurred you You can have the assault with the deadly weapon without the murder conviction. You can't have it the other way around, even allowing that to stand if the law allows that in the state of Texas, then the law in Texas is very much flawed because. There's no logic to it. There's no reason. And our legal system is built on rationale and common sense, right? It's supposed to be. I know the left is trying to undo that. But what else can you expect when we live in a time where the son of billionaire leftist mega donor George Soros gets to go to the White House 14 times in the short amount of time since Joe Biden's been? Installed into his current office now did you did you miss that story? Well, not surprising. Uh, this was part of the Friday news dump. They already knew a lot of folks had already checked out for Good Friday. They knew not a lot of information was going to be out there that was going to be get paid attention to, and again, the Friday uh, news dumps are bad enough on a non-holiday weekend, but on a weekend like now, where you should be spending your time focused on your family, uh, there's really, you know, your family and your faith, I can't leave that out, but there is really fewer people that are going to see it, and this will have been passed over by the time most people get back to paying attention to the news, but yes, the sun of George Soros' spooky dude has visited the White House 14 times since Joe Biden moved in. Alexander Soros, 37-year-old, currently chairing the Open Society Foundation, that's the network that was founded by George Soros, and it donates to leftist causes left and right and political candidates focused on reshaping the American justice system. White House visitor logs reviewed by the New York Post showed that Alexander had visited the White House fourteen times since
4: the Legislated. If- stupid, dec- you- yeah. Fifth, uh-huh. In- Please, check- check-
1: Done incalculable damage to our country. The death and destruction of their policies are evident at our borders and in our crime infested cities. The left is addicted to their money, and they don't even bother hiding it anymore. Now, Alexander has posted photos of himself with major Democratic leaders like Chucky e. Schumer, former White House, I'm sorry, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, former President Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama. He's donated over $11 million to the leftist PAC since 2010. And according to the Post, that's just the tip of the iceberg. In 2018, Alexander donated $2 million to the Senate Majority Pact. That's $2 million. George Soros and his family have faced increased scrutiny after former President Donald Trump connected him to the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. But we have been trying to call this out for some time. Here, other conservative voices, uh, we have been talking about George Soros and the threat that he poses to our country for quite a long time. And just as an FYI, George Soros's other son, Jonathan, and his wife, Jennifer Allen Soros, they don- gi- donated directly to Bragg's campaign, each cutting a $10,000 check for the leftist district attorney back in April of 2021 as he continues to get Trump. Is it any wonder that we're concerned about what Soros' DAs are doing? And is it any wonder that the left is constantly trying to deny that George Soros has anything to do with that? Well, I've never met Alan. Uh, uh, Is it Alan? Uh, Mr. Bragg. Alvin. Why did I want to say Alan? Alvin Bragg. Well, of course you've never been. You don't have to meet him to support him. You don't have to directly write a check to have wrote a check and make sure the money gets there. There's a lot of things that you can do to support these policies, dictate these policies, and never actually have to directly speak to a person that's going to be expected to implement them, isn't there? Now, it's pretty clear from the way the left has been acting since Donald Trump actually made the connection between George Soros and Alvin Bragg, that there is an obvious connection. They're concerned about Donald Trump saying this because they know that for the first time, there's somebody with a major reach that's going to be able to get into the hearts and minds, that they know that they cover Donald Trump newsworthiness because they have to. It's their ratings bonanza. They love Donald Trump to be in the news. So the things he says, they have to talk about. But when he says something that is so true and points to their lack of integrity, their willingness to sell their very souls and sell out their fellow Americans and sell out the nation as a whole in an effort to get uh, George Soros money. I'm trying to merge them together. Say it faster. This George Soros money. That you might accidentally stop for just a second and say, "Hmm, that 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 makes sense to me." What what else is there? And you know what happens once you start pulling a string, right? Uh, in some cases, the string just breaks and you're fine. In most cases, you unravel the entire. Thing And that's what they're most afraid of. So they want to implant heavily, insinuate strongly that just mentioning George Soros' name in connection with anything left-related is a conspiracy theory. It is anti-Semitism. And I'm sorry, guys, but I'm not going to take a lecture about anti-Semitism from a group of people that are willing to defend Ilhan Omar, one of the most open and obvious anti-Semites on the planet, who's not only uh, getting to be an anti-Semite in public, but getting to do so from the House of Representatives at the federal level. They're also willing to defend uh, Rashida Tlaib, who also very anti-Semite. And I'm not going to say that their anti-Semitism is based solely on their Islamic faith, but I am going to say there's a really good chance that that's shading their thinking the democrats have been strongly anti-semitic for a long time which is sad when you think about how many uh jewish americans tend to vote democrat i mean i've heard the adage about uh, self-hating jews before but it would appear but that that's exactly what you've got going on when you vote democrat as a jew i mean you've got to be self-hating right what what is the other explanation It doesn't matter, right? It just doesn't matter. What does matter, or at least should matter, is the fact that these are dangerous people and they're trying to do dangerous things to the country. They're putting you in harm's way whether you typically vote Republican, Democrat, Independent, or don't vote at all. You are being put at risk by the actions of people that are taking Soros money and the people that are being influenced by Soros ideology. And you don't have to take my word for it. All you have to do is look at the crime statistics in the areas where DAs who are supported by any Soros-affiliated organization has been put in place. When you elect one of these people, they try to push forward with this idea that, well, we don't need police. We don't need law enforcement. We need to rethink community policing. We need to reinvent community policing. We need a restoration of law and order. That's what we need. We need there to be obvious consequences when you choose to do a bad thing. Now, that's not going to stop people from doing the bad thing. And it's not even going to create situations where some people generally feel like that's the only option they have to survive. I get that. But there still needs to be that level of deterrence. We still need for people that are inclined to commit criminal acts to understand that there is an inherent risk and that that risk is real and that 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 there will be people that are willing to stand up for the law-abiding citizens that you intend to victimize that there will be people that stand on that thin blue line and protect the rest of us from the violence that would be perpetrators would perpetrate upon us and for the other forms of harm through loss of property and loss of limb, loss of health, even possibly loss of life. There has to be people willing to do that. We need to pay these people well enough to do the job, and we need to back them when they have to make a tough call. Now, we shouldn't tolerate corruption. We shouldn't tolerate actual racism. We shouldn't tolerate a short temper, bad behavior of any kind, because police officers they should be held to a higher standard. It's a very, very hard job we're asking them to do, and we're entrusting them with a little more power and a little more authority than the average citizen typically tries to yield in the normal day. But at the end of the day, those people need to be able to perform those tasks unimpeded unless they cross a line a moral line, or a legal line, but simply something that some random criminal or the family members of some random criminal doesn't like, well, that's too bad. Sorry. If you're the mother of some 23-year-old thug who got shot by a police officer because they refused to stop committing crimes, and possibly even very stupidly thought that they could Managed to somehow get away if they tried to shoot that police officer or tried to shoot some random innocent person nearby. I'm sorry for your loss and I don't expect you to be happy with the actions of the cops, but the problem wasn't the action of the cops. The problem was the action of your son or your daughter. I didn't specify that at the beginning and I don't suppose I should make a distinction there. Women can be criminals too. Yay. And there's just no reason why we should pretend for a second that if we remove consequences for bad behavior, that somehow that's going to magically make the bad behavior go away. Joe Biden has famously said one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard. Well, you know, if if a criminal shows up armed and they, they see that you're unarmed, they'll just put their gun down and walk away. What? I'm glad crime has never came personally to visit Joe Biden. I'm so glad that he's never been in an encounter to discover that that's just not reality. I'm a little sad that it's such a ridiculous exaggeration of reality that nobody's even thought to write it in a fantasy. That somehow it became a talking point for him right up there. With the is not wearing Kevlar, like somehow that's supposed to make a difference in what we're talking about. It's got nothing to do with gun control. And the constitutional right to possess and to bear arms has nothing to do with hunting, Joe. And you know that. You've known that for a long time. Now, maybe your dementia-ridden mind has gotten to the point where you no longer can make that distinction. But you've known for some time that's not what the Second Amendment's about. But then again, when it comes to Democrats and George Soros and all these other leftists, domestic and foreign, they don't want you disarmed because they think it's good for you. They want you disarmed because they think it's good for them. All right, let's reset the hour. I'll be right back after this.
0: They homeschooled on their farm, making so much more from so much less.
2: Hey, y'all, this is Derek Johnson. You can find me at DerekJohnsonCountry.com. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tapping to the Truth. She's hair pulled back in a camo cap with a catfish on the line. She's an evening gown, night on the town, candlelight and wine. She's shy, she's bold, she's like a nice cold fireball whiskey shot. She's a big high five on the 50 yard line, she's a real cool kind of hot.
0: With her long hair's blowing out a roll-down window My old truck shines like a brand new limo I'm the guy with the big old smile and all the selfie shots She's like an August day when you're bailing hay
2: And that lemonade hits the spot
1: Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what we are here. Uh, Also, we are real cool, kind of hot. Well, okay, maybe not so much on the hot part, but we are kind of cool. You know, for conservatives and all. Obviously, we got no swag. That's why we don't like TikTok. At least, again, according to the left, who are composed primarily of idiots and 'er ne'er-do-wells, and uh, some that are both. Uh, sadly. Anyway, let's get back into the action. We're talking about the idiots and neer wells right? Before we do that, I do want to remind everybody that today, Time of the Live broadcast, happens to be Easter Sunday. I have made it a point of working these Easter Sundays for you because so few other people are doing it. I want you to have some new content that's available, and it does give me an opportunity to once again be the first person talking about a lot of this stuff. But most of the second hour, we're going to be talking about Things that we should have already been talking about. Things I haven't had time to get to. And they're important. But before I do all that, again, wishing you a happy Resurrection Sunday. A happy Easter Sunday. Hope you're getting a chance to enjoy the blessings of your family. To spend time with them. Maybe even sharing an Easter meal. And when I talk about food, that means I've got to warn you about what's coming down the road. Right now, China is hoarding A ridiculously huge amount of food. Again, these estimates are probably low-ball estimates. I've mentioned this to you before, but as of right now, it is looking like they are very, very close to having two-thirds of the world's corn supply on lockdown. It looks like they're getting really, really close to having half of the world's rice and half of the world's wheat in their storage. Why should we be concerned about that? Well, this is a major uptick. Now, China is literally the canary in the coal mine when it comes to global food shortages, because they are, in fact, the number one food importer. They literally rely on the rest of the world to feed their people. And, you know, you got to keep your people fed if you want to keep civil unrest to a minimum. So... What does that mean to you and me? Why should we be concerned about it? So China is hoarding a bunch of food. Well, the more they hoard, the less everyone else has. And if they're expecting food shortages, uh, that means there's a really good chance there's going to be food shortages. So what does that actually mean for average everyday Americans like you and me? Well, again, food shortages. Uh, that's, That's it in a nutshell. Pretty clear cut. The fact that we see this coming means that we need to take steps to prepare for it, making this a really good time. An excellent time, in fact, for you to take yourself over to 4Patriots.com and start building your personal stockpile of the best-selling 4Patriots Survival Food Kits. Those kits are hand-packed in the United States of America. They are compact. They come in containers that are easily stackable. They have tons of different varieties for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they have a bunch, I mean a bunch, of five-star reviews that absolutely rave about the flavor. That absolutely cannot get past how good this stuff tastes. Right now... You can get 10% off your first purchase of 4 Patriots Survival Food by typing the code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, TAP, at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com, use code TAP to get 10% off your first purchase of 4 Patriots Survival Food. That's the number 4Patriots.com and use code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Uh, That's all there is to it. All right. Now, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Right. We were talking about the insanity that is the left, the the morons and the 'er ne'er-do-wells and all the craziness that goes. All right. So there is this lovely young lady by the name of Riley Gaines. Riley happened to have been a top collegiate swimmer, was One of those people that you saw on those famous national championship swimming, the NCAA uh, girls, where we got to see the difference between a guy saying that he's a girl getting to compete in women's swimming. Now, Riley was a great swimmer for the University of Kentucky, and she was denied her top billing because we had to play this gender identity political game that the left is literally shoving down everyone's throat. Well, since she's left college, she's made a point of going around and speaking on behalf of women, participating in women's sports, trying to protect women's sports at every level, uh, elementary school, high school, collegiate level, from the onslaught of the transgender athlete, insanity. One of the things she did recently is went to a speaking engagement at San Francisco State University. While she was there, she was literally assaulted and held hostage after speaking at San Francisco State University. There were a ton of videos, uh, I think it's fair to call them shocking, if you've seen them, the fact that this would be allowed to happen on a college campus anywhere in the United States. But these videos showed the chaotic scene as police tried to rush Gaines through the hallways, only to end up leaving her barricaded in a room for three hours. Meanwhile, outside this room, militant trans activists could be heard demanding money for her release. We're not letting her go until you give us what we want. In the end, not a single person, not one, was arrested. Now, can you imagine that? These people literally chased not just her, but the police, who then barricaded her in a room and then made their own escape. (laughs) Doesn't seem like the bravest thing to do, guys. But Nobody got arrested. Now... SFSU, San Francisco State University, they're praising the people that attacked this young woman. In a statement, the Vice President for Student Affairs, one Jimaliah Moore, lauded the protesters as brave and in need of healing while failing to even mention the violence that occurred by their hands. Released this statement. Here's the statement. Dear SF State community, Today, San Francisco State finds itself again at the center of a national discussion regarding freedom of speech and expression. Let me begin by saying clearly, the trans community is welcome and belongs at San Francisco State University. Further, our community fiercely believes in unity, connection, care, and compassion, and we value different ideas, even when they are not our own. SF State is regularly noted as one of the most diverse campuses in the United States. This is what makes us Gators. And this is what makes us great. Diversity promotes critical discussions, new understandings, and enriches the academic experience. But... We may also find ourselves exposed to divergent views, and even views we find personally abhorrent. These encounters have sometimes led to discord, anger, confrontation, and fear. We must meet this moment and unite with a shared value of learning. Now, I've got to stop for just a second right there. I'd like to point out... That when they say that they may find themselves exposed to divergent views, I got a feeling that they don't understand the irony of that statement. Literally everything that I know about San Francisco State University would represent to me that the only views they have would generally be seen as being divergent from the normal Views of most Americans, and I mean a large, large percentage of Americans. So I'm sorry, you guys are the divergent view. You're not being exposed to them other than when you expose yourselves to them. You are the divergent. And what did you learn from this? I'd really like to know. You want to unite with a shared value of learning. What do you learn from chasing somebody down the hall because you're not happy about what they said? how dare you claim to promote uh, any type of unity? How dare you claim to promote any type of freedom of thought when you simply want to squash and threaten and do physical harm to a young lady who's simply standing up for herself and other women who are being pushed out of their own sports, being pushed away from their own opportunities by virtue of having something set aside for women to begin with. You don't get to keep redefining the rules till there is no reality at all. You don't get to do that. That's not education. That's not even indoctrination. That's just being dumb. And I'm sorry if most Americans are prepared to push back against it. Release your statement as you will. Anyway, I... I'm going to get back to the statement. I apologize. Just had to get that off my chest. Okay, so blah, 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 Unite with Shared Value of Learning. Thank you to our students who participated peacefully, (laughs) peacefully, uh, in Thursday evening's event. It took tremendous bravery to stand in a challenging space. Uh, No, it, it really doesn't. It doesn't take any freaking bravery to stand there and listen to somebody say some things you disagree with. There's no bravery involved. That's just called being an American and thank God we get to do that in America. And how dare you try to keep that from happening. Now, I don't know how many people total were there. But I know from having watched this video of these people chasing this poor girl, this poor woman, I should say. She is a woman. She is an adult now. This poor woman for simply speaking up for herself and other women being chased by an unruly and violent mob. I'm sorry if I can imagine that there must have been very many people there standing opposed to what she had to say. And uh, poor Riley here gets chased by these folks. And how many more people that were there against Riley? were actually peaceful. I'm sure there were some. I'm sure there were some that were there, and they were ready to to say, you know, we don't like this, blah, 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 whatever the catchy little bumper sticker phrase mantra they had uh, put together beforehand and had no intention of chasing her, probably didn't. Had no intention of doing physical harm to her and didn't. But I don't think, based on what I saw, You're allowed to even make this statement under those conditions because there were clearly way more people that were not there peacefully than there were who were there peacefully. Other than the folks that were actually there genuinely wanting to hear what Riley had to say. And yes, if you happen to have been somebody who was there to peacefully protest and you didn't get involved with the mob once they became a mob and you just decided to go home and leave all that and not be part of it, then kudos to you. I mean, seriously, congratulations. You're one of the few that were actually involved with what does help to make America a great place. You have a right to legitimate protest. And, and fair enough. So guess what? You should now immediately move to transfer to another college. You should. You should not allow yourself to be associated with what happened there. In fact, there's a lot of parents who are paying for their kids to go to this college that should immediately move to cancel their checks, cancel their payments, make sure that they'll not spend another moment on that campus. Get your kids into another school ASAP. Unless you happen to be all on board and you're uber woke too, and in that case, congratulations, you got your kids in just the right place to make them grow up and be just as stupid as you are. Stupid. Stupid. Not ignorant, stupid. Because you probably know a lot of things. You're just really dumb. Because you're not seeing how you're being manipulated. You're not seeing how you're being used as a resource to help promote something that is only intended to take away your freedoms, your liberties, and your ability to continue to be a wealthy influencer. Yes, thank you to our students who participated peacefully. It took tremendous bravery to stand in a challenging space. Again, I'm going to say no, it doesn't take any bravery at all. It just takes a willingness to sit there and say, you know what, I I don't agree with that. And that's it. Back to the statement. I am proud of the moments where we listened and asked insightful questions. I'm wondering how many moments that actually was. But okay. I'm also proud of the moments when our students demonstrated the value of free speech and the right to protest peacefully, which obviously ended relatively quickly. These issues do not go away, and these values are very much at our core, except we don't actually honor them or want to protect them in any fashion. This feels difficult Because it is difficult. As you reflect, process, and begin to heal, please remember that there are people, resources, and services available and ready to receive our Gator community, including facility staff members, coaches, and mentors who are here to support you. Yes, here to support you. Campus resources are also available. Equity and community inclusion, counseling and psychological services, dean of student's office, the well-being of the SF State Campus community remains our priority. Sincerely, jemiah Moore, EDD. Vice President for Student Affairs and Enrollment Management. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great statement, guys. I want to thank all of you guys who took the time to show up and do things completely right, because clearly we did nothing wrong. Oh. So, San Francisco State University has decided that the real victims in this case are in fact the screeching, screaming, hysterical trans activist who physically assaulted and kidnapped someone for using their First Amendment rights. That's that's who the real victims are, according to this person and other people on staff at San Francisco State University. But of course, this isn't that different from anything else that we're hearing from other people on the left. It's not that different than what we heard from Kamala Harris when she visited Nashville talking about the Tennessee Three, which I promise you these three do not represent Tennessee in any real and meaningful way. But yes, yes, the real victims are the people that created a mob that chased a young woman that physically assaulted a young woman that held her against her will in a location and and like i said in some cases if you watch the videos you can clearly hear some of them demanding large sums of money for her release i think it's fair to call the statement tone deaf if if i'm going to be as diplomatic about it as i can be I, I still think that tone deaf is is fair. But, you see, it's not really tone deaf because this is exactly the tone that San Francisco State University is shooting for. It's meant to claim that those committing violent acts or just being generally deranged are actually the ones who are victimized. You see, Moore even provides links to counseling and equity and community inclusion services in the email. Don't don't get me wrong. Every single one of those protesters needs counseling, and in the several cases, probably considerably more than just a little counseling, but not in the way that Moore suggests. It. I don't know how else anybody can read this statement and not see it as being an open admission that the trans activists are above the law, both in regards to the state and the university that they attend. They can apparently assault people and violate the rights of others with impunity. In fact, they will receive support from the college. They'll receive support from the staff. You literally had a hostage-taking event occur, captured on video, at the San Francisco State University campus. And the police made zero arrests. Zero arrests, while the university itself praised the hostage-takers. What exactly is it that normal people are supposed to even do with that? What What are you supposed to, to wrap your mind around and and actually believe that somehow those people were the victims here? Oh, you know, uh, the writers out here say bad things about transgender people. She's part of the transgender genocide, which is their battle cry. They honestly believe that that's a thing that's happening because they've been misled. And again, this isn't the transgender people themselves. These are the activists. If it was up to transgender people themselves, especially if we didn't have the social contagion going on, if we were actually limiting this to a conversation about people that only were genuinely suffering from gender dysphoria, there wouldn't be enough people to have filled that room to create a mob. To create a crowd, to chase Riley from point A to point B, to hold her hostage, or to even intimidate the local police—even if they had had the least bit of intention of intervening on behalf of Miss Gaines—which clearly they did not—they would not. They're not about to be seen having to restrict and restrain a group of college students because they don't understand boundaries. They don't understand the difference between right or wrong. They've been led, misled, I should say, to believe that they're right, and their right makes might, and the ends justify the means, and the other side just needs to be stopped because the other side is just evil. They believe that without applying any critical thinking to the scenario at all. They are victims, but they're not victims of misogyny. They're not victims of white power, they're not victim of systemic racism. They are victims of the left's ideology, trying to convince them that they are victims. And in the process... They have not been taught how to apply critical thinking. They have not been taught how to face the reality of the world in which they live in. And they have not been taught that you don't have to be an ally to every group that's adversarial to your own, because most of those groups shouldn't exist in the first place. I'm white and cisgendered. I've got to find some way to be more than just an ally. I know I'll be trans now as absurd as that sounds we know that to some degree that's actually a thing that's happening and that's not the case with every person that's trans but we know that there is simply not enough people that actually suffer from gender dysphoria to account for the number of people that claim to be now this is an open admission of their guilt And when it comes to normal people, I just said, what's a normal person supposed to do when you're faced with this reality? Well, the answer is becoming way more clear. Every single minute, they want you to get out. If you're not willing to sit down, shut up, and go along with whatever it is they're saying, get out. They will chase you out. They will beat you down if you give them half the chance. They will hold you prisoner. They will do whatever they have to do to silence you. And they are not above physically abusing you in order to force you into either admitting that they're the ones that are right, or until you can no longer hold a position to speak up against them. Agree with us or get out. Convert or die. You will not be protected in these far-left jurisdictions because the system are stacked with partisan activists from the top to the bottom. You cannot go to San Francisco and expect to be protected from a group like this. Any part of the city, in any place, if you were to have some type of pro-life protest going on somewhere in the poop-ridden streets of San Francisco, you would be hauled in in a paddy wagon. But if you were literally attacking people vandalizing streets, destroying private property in the name of some leftist cause of the day. You would be held as a hero, and you would be given free reign to do what you want. And this is just one place that this happens now. Just one. What we just saw with the recent murder conviction of Daniel Perry in Texas, the story I was talking to you about just a little while ago, The cops are activists. The DA's office are activists. The university administrators in this particular situation are activists. They're not administrators, they're activists. The Tennessee Three were not acting as state representatives, they were acting as activists. The district attorneys are activists. The George Soros funded attorneys. They're very much activists. Now, I understand the desire to fight, to retake ground, but you're not going to retake San Francisco State University. It was never ours in the first place. If you're a conservative and you want to try and turn that back into a vestige of actual education, if you happen to attend there, if you happen to be conservative, get the hell out. There's no point in even trying. You're not going to retake San Francisco State. And at some point, your personal safety and the safety of your family have to come first. If you remain in these deep blue areas, it's just a matter of time before you are victimized. Riley Gaines needs to take legal action. She absolutely needs to take every legal step she can against the university, against every student that can be identified, and against the police that just left her there in the fashion that they did. She needs to sue everyone she can. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I understand it's a little more complicated than me saying that this is what she needs to do. But there are absolutely legal remedies to pursue in this instance. I know that to be the case. The only way this stops is when consequences are put on the table and not just sitting there staring at these people as, oh, well, you know, that could happen. And then they get the wink and the nod from the activists in the DA's office and the activists in the police station and the activists that are working in school administration. Saying, yeah, technically, we might have to do this, but we'll find reasons not to. No, there has to be actual ramifications that get those people back to doing their jobs, no matter how they feel politically. It is perfectly fine if you want to be a leftist nut job, but if you get a position or you are expected to perform a certain duty, then you need to do that job and not let your politics interfere. It's easy to do. You just need a little bit of personal integrity. Just a little. I know that it can be done. I've done it myself. I know it sounds weird, right? But I have done it. I did this when i was hosting was actually the mediator of a us senatorial debate here in the state of tennessee it ended up being a case for an independent candidate and the democratic candidate showed up but the republican who was the incumbent didn't it was mostly democrats who showed up but i conducted the debate in a fashion that had most of the Democrats at the end asking me about my show, wanting to listen in, because they thought I was one of them, because I actually went down the middle, and I did criticize the the Republican incumbent for not taking the time to come out and speak directly to the people. And again, I'm not a Republican as much as I am a conservative. And I did feel like legitimately, if you're going to run for the office, if your opponents are showing up, now maybe you want to limit the number of debates you do. Maybe you don't want to be at every one of them. Maybe you want to ignore some of them. Maybe there's times when the politics makes sense, but you're still supposed to be answerable to the people, and you should still be willing to show up to at least a few of them. Then this particular race, they didn't. But because I conducted it down the middle and because I gave the Democrats the fair opportunity to answer their questions – And because I put my personal politics aside to play the role of mediator of the debate, they wanted to know more about it. And then I just had to tell them, point blank, well, uh, thank you very much for your interest, but I really don't think you'd like my show because here's who I am. And they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it because they have it in their head that all of us are all so partisan. And this was years ago before the current level of partisanship. It can be done. It should be done. If you're a police officer, do your job without letting the politics interfere. Easier said than done because the politics will catch up with you when you just do your job. I know that. But then just walk away. Just walk away. And I don't want to see unpoliced streets, especially in dangerous neighborhoods. But if you're not going to be allowed to do your job, then just don't do it. Go somewhere where they'll let you do the job. Same thing, if you are working in a DA's office somewhere and they're ignoring it, go be a whistleblower and then go get a job somewhere else. If you're going to be a school administrator and you're being forced into woke nonsense again, go be a whistleblower and go work somewhere else. There are places where you can do this. Just stop. And again, Riley, please sue the pants off these people and force Force the San Francisco Police Department and the local DAs to do something criminally because these people clearly violated the law. Even in San Francisco, it's against the law to do that. Alright, I'm running a little long in this hour, so let's take that mid-hour break and I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hello. This is Stella Morabito, author of *The Weaponization of Loneliness*, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth.
2: Since its inception, the Democrat Party has been an organization hell-bent on wreaking havoc against our liberties, economy, and more recently, in direct opposition to our national security. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. While I am speaking truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth concerning the Democrat Party, it is obviously nothing more than a subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party. I believe there are no longer any well-meaning liberals in the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is today a cataclysmic cauldron of wicked far-left lunatics seeking to literally kill liberty, destroy the economy, and assist China in its effort to dominate what remains of our beleaguered republic. The Democrat Party agenda is now 100% based upon the evil doctrine of Karl Marx with increasingly heavy-handed tactics that Chairman Mao would be proud of to see here in the United States. Democratic legislators and Joe Biden do not serve on behalf of the best interest of we the people. If it's good for America, Democrats oppose it. What's bad for America, the Democrats support it. The wide open borders and illegal border crossing invasion is self evident of that fact. I say we stop the demented Democrats before they kill our republic. I'm Ron Edwards. See you on the next page from the Edwards Notebook.
3: Beanstalks is designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire, around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words... Put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstock does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do.
0: Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N.
2: Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronetwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase. And to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
0: two whole days and she's gotten a wink She heads to a cot for an hour A quick bite to eat and then back on her feet If time allows maybe a shower A child is crying His mother is gone And nobody else hears his call turns back to help like an angel in white flies down the hall this is matt fitzgibbons of patriotmusic.com and you're listening to tim tap and tap into the truth
1: All righty, ladies and gentlemen, I, I do really like the Angel and White song. If, if you haven't visited PatriotMusic.com yet, after I've been telling you for years and years now too, let me take a moment once again to just say, hey, go check it out. A lot of great stuff over there. A lot of great stuff. All right, it is Easter Sunday, and we are flowing into the final moments of what we're looking at today. I want to thank you so much for being here. And before I get into today's last subject of the day, I want to remind each and every one of you that I'm saying things sometimes where I sound harsh out of frustration. And I know I'm not the only one frustrated by it. I know a lot of you guys are too. And... As much as we want to just lash out and push back and, and start giving them a dose of their own medicine, we also need to take that extra moment to remember what sets us apart. What makes us different from the leftist reactionaries is the fact that we're capable of still putting our emotions to the side, taking that deep breath, and then applying logic and rational thought. When we use reason and fact-based uh, information to move forward, we always, always come out with a much better outcome, period. And that's what we need to do. It's when we let our emotions overtake us that we end up with ridiculous things like letting Gloria Johnson keep her position as a member of the Tennessee State House of Representatives when she should have been booted out along with Justin Johnson and Justin Pearson. Now I talked about this Friday how angry I got when Gloria Johnston instantly went to the Democrats talking point of well why did I get to keep my position but the other two got booted well let's just say it has to do with the color of our skin. Oh yeah, yeah Republicans in Tennessee they're automatically racist got nothing to do with the fact that you actually didn't use the bullhorn didn't have anything to do with the fact that you were not as animated on the floor of the House, when the invaders were in the balcony by that time, the fact that you were actually attempting to lead a, by the definition of the left, an insurrection at the Tennessee State Capitol, and it had nothing to do with any of that. Now, by rights, you still did enough, and you stood right there with them, and you chanted, and you led with the chance, you were just as guilty as they were of violating the rules of the House, and should have been removed. But you had some wusses, some spineless weenies that have an R stuck at the end of their name that just flat out didn't want to remove any of you, but didn't see how they could get away with not removing at least the two of you that held the bullhorn and shouted and acted like you were street activists instead of duly elected and sworn in members of the House. Because you didn't hold up that bullhorn, because you didn't pound your fist on the podium, you were granted a little bit of leniency. And that's a mistake. Well, it's a mistake for multiple reasons. First of all, it did allow you to get to throw out that talking point about it's racism. See, a small handful of Republicans were just dumb enough to hand over that racism, radicalized talking point that the left wanted from the first place. Just gave it to them by letting her stay. When all they had to do was drop the hammer on all three of these folks, the folks that the national media is now referring to as the Tennessee Three. One of the Republicans, state representative named Jody Barrett, he released a statement trying to explain why he flipped his vote at the last minute, sparing Gloria Johnson. Reading through the entire statement, though, it's incredibly odd, and for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that it seems to be incomplete. It's almost as if part of the statement's missing. It just ends suddenly, failing to actually address several key issues that might actually better explain Barrett's decision. I decided not to vote this way for Gloria because... And then there was this, and then there was that. Just as an example, if there were factual inconsistencies in the expulsion resolution against Johnson? What were they? What bits and pieces made you decide that we just, we framed this incorrectly? I mean, wouldn't that be important for Barrett's point? Wouldn't it be important for Barrett to, to actually say, well, here it is, This this is the specific reason why? I mean, if he's going to and if he's going to use that as the excuse <clears throat> for for not voting to expel Johnson. But, you know, he didn't. Instead, he just makes the assertion, and then he moves right along as if we're just supposed to accept it because he said so. Yet, in the preceding paragraph, he points out that Johnson participated in the insurrection, their definition, not mine, including leading chants with those who stormed the chamber, people that were in the balconies at that point in time. He points out that she refused to leave the floor as ordered by the sergeant-in-arms, which actually at that point, not only are you worthy of being booted out as a representative, being expelled from the body, but then you have actually committed a crime. You are technically trespassing at that point in time. Fortunately for them, they're not going to be charged with trespassing. They're not going to be charged with leading an insurrection. They're not going to have to worry about going off to some state-run gulag by Governor Lee like you would have to be worried about if you were doing the same thing at the federal capital in D.C., uh, being sent off to some government-run gulag being overseen by the Biden administration, like so many January 6th participators still are, without even being indicted, let alone being convicted. No, you committed actual crimes on that day. The only thing she apparently didn't do was speak with the bullhorn. That seems to be the only distinction, and while I suppose that is some type of distinction. I suppose that might give a little bit of wiggle room for the, the squishy spines who don't want to do this at all but feel like they have to for one reason or another to, to give them pause, to say, well, you know what, what she did wasn't quite as bad as the other two, but that's literally the only difference, and I'm sorry, to me, the trespassing bit, when the sergeant of arms asked you to remove your personage from that position You should be leaving in handcuffs once you refuse, not getting to finally walk away after everything else is settled. It doesn't really change what she actually did, or the severity of it. It doesn't, at all. But the most ridiculous part about this statement is that Barrett actually thinks being scared of Johnson's lawyers is a valid excuse for flipping his boat in the end. That's what really what he's saying when he claims that uh, they caused concern in his mind concern about what exactly she permitted an insurrection by the less definition broke the body's rules, and refused to yield to the sergeant-at-arms. Again, Barrett never explains in his statement exactly what he was concerned about. Oh, well, I think she's going to get a lawyer, and I think she's going to sue us. So, what? Let's say that he's right for a minute, and that there would have been some kind of legal fight if Johnson had been expelled due to the Wording of the resolution. So what? How is it better to preemptively surrender in this particular situation, especially when Barrett states that Johnson broke the rules in a way that demanded expulsion? I mean, never mind that it was politically moronic to save Johnson when it was obvious that she and the other Democrats would then claim racism was involved, regardless. Barrett's proclamation of that being preposterous and baseless will fall on deaf ears. It doesn't matter to the left. They don't listen to logic, they don't listen to reason, and all you did in changing your vote was give more fuel to that fire of a false accusation, one that they are playing up nationally now, trying to make all of you look like idiots, including you, Representative Barrett. No one cares about his indignation because it's not 2005 anymore. This is a man who does not know what time it is. And I'd suspect he's going to pay dearly during the next election cycle. I don't think Barrett will get to be a representative anymore because he chose to release this statement that is meandering and mindless at best. Right now, what you're seeing is the expected overreaction of the left as conservatives are finally starting to put their foot down, finally starting to insist that we start running this country again the way it was intended to be run, that we no longer play with fantasies and start behaving based on the realities that we're facing. There is objective reality. Sorry, you don't have to like it. Most of us don't, but how we choose to deal with it is what determines how well we survive. There's a reason why TikTok is banned in China, despite it being created in China. It is a psychological propagandist weapon against the West, and it's working. There's a reason why we should be concerned about children being mutilated why we should be concerned about children being chemically castrated. There's a reason why we should be concerned about children being overly sexualized by the left. There's a reason why we should be concerned that these people want to change pedophilia into just another uh, sexual orientation as opposed to being a criminal action. There's a reason why they want to pretend as if gender dysphoria is not a legitimate psychological issue and needs to be treated as such. There's a reason why they're trying to isolate and alienate every little person into the smallest, tiniest groups that they can to keep everybody at odds with one another. They want us fighting with each other. And the reason you're seeing so much pushback to these actions in places like Florida and Tennessee is because they are scared to death that once people realize that, hey, that actually was a common sense thing, why did we ever let this get so far in the first place, it's going to be the end of their current political advantage. All the political gains that they have managed to get will evaporate and in short order because even most Democrats don't actually support the insanity that the party is pushing down our throats. If a man wants to pretend that he's a woman, that's his business. It's his choice. If a man wants us to pretend that he's a woman... That's our choice. We decide if we want to participate. And the answer for most of us is going to be a resounding no. That doesn't make us bigots. That doesn't make us haters. That doesn't make us dangerous. It doesn't mean we're trying to push a genocide. It means that we engage in facts. And this is a biological fact at play. Now, if you are legitimately suffering from gender dysphoria, you fall into a different category, and you're not really part of this fight from the left. The fact that you exist at all is what's being allowed to weaponize you against the traditional family, against the actual... Against the actual... Tools that we have built up. The way we have layered our society in a fashion that allows for prosperity. That allows for us to have these arguments and have these debates. We don't have these debates in China. They don't have these debates in China. They don't have these debates in Iran. They don't have these debates in Syria. They don't have these debates in places where they don't have financial and political affluence. They deal with the reality that they're facing. They don't have time for first world problems. If somebody was legitimately trying to commit an act of genocide against you, you wouldn't be free to chase somebody down the hallways of a college university. You would be too busy hiding in the shadows somewhere, having to fear for your life rather than trying to make other people fear for theirs. Kamala Harris came to Nashville and she said, you don't silence the people. You don't try to take away, turn off the microphone because you don't like what they're saying. But that is exactly what they do to us every time we turn around. And the absurdity is they're still trying to use the event of the school shooting in Nashville as an effort to take away firearms from law-abiding citizens who we clearly need firearms in order to protect us because we can't count on the police in blue jurisdictions to protect us. It's up to us to protect ourselves. And guess what? In those blue jurisdictions, we're still probably going to face murder charges because even in Texas, there are DAs that apparently do not believe that you have a right to defend yourself if you're conservative. I've decided to join Dan Bongino in his call to just tell all of you, if you're in a blue state, get out. Stop trying to fight. Stop trying to save it. If it's firmly blue, get out. If you're in a purple state, okay, keep fighting. But get out. Let them fall and collapse on their own, because you're probably one of the few people that are still being productive enough to let these people go on and and stay in power. So get out. Just just get out, move while you can. You're welcome to come to a place like Tennessee. You're welcome here as a conservative. I'm sure Florida is happy to have you. Go to a purple state where there's still a chance that you moving there and becoming a citizen there might help save the day. But get out of the blue states. Get out of California. Get out of New York. Get out of Indiana, Illinois. They don't want you there anyway. They treat you like a criminal just because you believe in the Constitution ahead of somebody else's fee wings. Anyway. That's gonna to have to be it for now. Uh, last second uh, bit of housekeeping that I meant to mention earlier, and actually meant to mention it uh, Friday night, the live show, and kind of got carried away with other stuff and didn't get there. I want to remind everybody, tune in to the Ron Edwards' American Experience Monday to hear moi and Matt Fitzgibbons co-hosting. Of the show. Matt's actually been hosting the show uh, solo for the biggest part of last week. Did a fantastic job and uh, I'll be along for the ride this Monday, so uh, be sure to tune in for that. And meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Happy Easter everybody. This is Tim Tap. Let's go, You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better, make
0: America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If
4: you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine.
0: In both hands
4: evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.